Hey everyone, welcome to this week's The Pete Wong Podcast. How is everyone holding up in the world? Hopefully. This is The Pete Wong Podcast, sharing the things that I love with those that I love. I've always wanted to talk about the things that I care about in life. People have told me time after time, why don't you just share more of you? And with that, Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's The Pete Wong Podcast. I know it's been a while, and um, even for me to do this recording has been quite challenging. Uh, There's just so much to, I guess the word is unpack, And I'm not the most skillful at remembering information, uh, dates, um, statistics. But I thought that it was important for me to use my platform to spread awareness to possibly provide some uh, knowledge that maybe some people didn't know about. And if anything, perspective. It's been challenging for me to record this because I've actually hoped that I could be doing this with somebody because I don't feel confident in talking about this subject but at the same time the more I thought about it the more I knew that I should and I could because I hope I can be an example a voice of somebody who recognize his own power recognize his own ability, his own gifts, but also given the ramifications of the situation that we're in, the broad scale of um, the complexity of the issues. And I know that I'm gonna be struggling through this recording But I hope that my struggle is a gateway, is a is a a a beam of inspiration uh, for those of you that are having these similar feelings or don't know what to say. And I hope that by me being myself, which is what this podcast has always been about and has been because of that exactly what I have always wanted to be so I'm going to give it my best and please bear with me I'm going to be stuttering my tone is going to be very much different um and uh, and I and I 
have accepted that that's okay. Because what we're dealing with right now is unprecedented. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknown. And so let me just give a background, a context for this episode. I'm not going to go into statistics because I'm sure all you have to do is pull up social media, pull up the internet, and you'll find all the statistics. It's out there, and it's, and it's good work. Um, I want to applaud all the resources, all the people out there working the ground daily to make sure that this information is recorded and everyone's doing their part, whatever it is, to help our communities feel safer. And when I say communities, I mean all communities. But yes, specifically right now, our Asian, our Asian communities are being attacked. And so the context is, there's been a, an uprising, there's been a uh, escalating amount of cases of Asians, Asian Americans uh, being attacked, being verbally, physically uh, attacked spat on, pushed, shoved, stabbed. Some things are being done and some things are being worked on to be done given the circumstances we've been in. The pandemic, um, political leaders saying uh, certain words that have, as the legislator yesterday said, put a bullseye on us Asians um, by, by political leaders saying things. Um, it's given people what they think, the right to entitlement, the right to take in their own hands what they believe should be done but it's all done out of hate. It's all done out of disrespect. It's all done out of ignorance. And it's making people fear, uh, feel fearful. It's making people unsure of how to live their lives. I had seen these cases and I felt bad. I didn't think it was my need or place to say anything. Felt like I didn't understand what to say or do. And I'm sure many of us have felt that or are feeling that. But I had one of my best friends one night come talk to me about it. 
And he said, you know, no pressure, but maybe we could talk about it. Maybe we could see, you know, if it's something you want to do. Ever since that night, I started doing research. I started watching a lot of videos, taking notes, asking people to send me stuff that they thought was worthwhile. And the more that I learned, the more that I researched, the more I was sickened by what's happening. But it's the truths. At the same time, the more I educated myself, the more I learned that this was the truth, the more empowered I felt, the more capable of providing support, understanding, and hopefully, in some form, help. My first initial thinking was, I'll get help with somebody who might be able to lead the conversation. And I would just fill in where I can because I didn't feel confident about this topic. I felt frightened to say the wrong things. I felt nervous to not have the right words that would help people understand the complexities of this issue. And I tried. I tried bringing in guest speakers and though they were important, worthy conversations that taught me something, it also taught me that for some people, it's not their place to be vocal about it. And as much as that was difficult for me to sit and accept, I believe that it was helpful for me to still hold space for them and learn from them and recognize how we're all dealing with it differently. I started to invite myself to these different spaces where people were talking about it, where people were healing, where people were just sitting with it together. And I still found myself not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. But I felt proud that, because I know how to hold space for somebody else. I know the value of telling somebody, this sucks, it sucks a lot, but let's just sit here and let's see where the universe shows us what to do and how to handle it. Though I've been told that there are some people that would like to be on this podcast and talk about it. I believe that people are busy in a good way doing their part in helping this movement, this opportunity 
for growth, opportunity for change, a manifestation of change, and hopefully an entire redo or an entire upgrade of this country, of this, how things are done. This subject is so complex because it runs deep into this country's history, which ties into this country's trauma, which ties into the people who occupy this country and their trauma, passed down from generation after generation. And if it was never told or exposed to you in such a way, this is a rude awakening for you. And I just want you to know, if you're listening to this, that's okay. Because the bottom line is, is where is your heart? Where is your love for humanity? Is it on the side that doesn't see people for their humanness? That judges somebody by their color, by their race, by a demographic that the truth is none of us in life could have controlled or expected. If that's you, I hope that you take a moment with yourself and realize why. And who gave you the right to lay your hands, to lay your, your own trauma, your own ignorance onto somebody else? Nobody has that right. And if you think you do, you need to check on that. So where do we begin to unpack this? So in the different research that I did, a lot of what I found out was not too different from what I grew up thinking and believing. One of the things is that our community is getting attacked because we don't speak up. That given who we are, possibly where we came from, even the different mannerisms and philosophies and principles that maybe our culture ingrained in us at some point and again was passed on generation after generation. We're taught not to challenge not to stand up for ourselves. And, and not that we're taught to not stand up for ourselves, but we're taught to always respect others, respect people. And even at the price of losing a part of us, that's something I've had to deal with. I've had to work through uh, in my own self-healing is Speaking up for yourself is not an American thing. I used to think that 
I, I made an excuse that I didn't speak up for myself because I thought it was like the individual, individualism, I can't even say it, <laughs> you know what I mean, um, of being in America where, where, you know, it's supported to think more as an individual and, and not so much as a whole, as a community, as a family. And for much of my years, I wanted to say things. I was, I had opinions, I had thoughts just like anybody else, but I was afraid to speak up. And at the same time, there were probably times when I did speak up and I felt ashamed because maybe something someone says, some something someone did. And so that's one of the things that people are saying is uh, Olivia Munn in one of her interviews talking about her friend's mom getting attacked. And uh, she said, uh, bury our heads down. Okay, I can't find what she said now. But regardless, um, uh, she, she she had she had that to say, and and it tied back in with if you look back on her history, there were things like other cultures, I suppose, but there were things that were done to us that made us feel powerless, that made us feel invisible, that added to the trauma, the building of the railroad. Many Asians worked on that, but when it came time to be acknowledged for it, they were not. And I believe many sacrificed their lives building that. Wong Kim Mark, uh, in, 19, in 1898, um, he, he went to the Supreme Court uh, to argue about his birthright citizenship, and, uh, and he won. But how come we don't hear about that? How come we don't hear about his story? That's, that's amazing. That's in 1898 to have accomplished that. The Chinese Exclusion Act, Japanese World War II internment camps, these different things that have happened to us. Why aren't we having these conversations? Why aren't we talking about it? Why are we just letting it fall away under the poppy stuff, under the stuff that looks pretty, that looks happy. What we need is the truth. As I was going through my awakening with uh, Black Lives Matter and, and having more conversations with my black community, my friends, my allies, my people, I learned about how their narrative and how their history has been shoved under the rug, has been ignored, has been covered up. My first interaction with, with hate crimes was, I can't remember what grade, maybe 10th grade. We had this book that our teacher, social studies, or someone gave it to us. I think it's social studies. And the book was entitled Us and Them. And inside was illustrations and articles. There are about two, three pages each, uh, each case, each incident, about hate crimes through the years. 
And they talked about, I believe they talked about Emmett Till. I believe they talked about, um, I can't remember the names, but um, just these different stories about lynchings, these different stories about individuals that came out um, about their about their um, sexual uh, preference and uh, were murdered. Um, Vincent Chin, people thinking that he was Japanese because they were losing their jobs. And, you know, the argument is with that is, well, he wasn't Japanese. And then, but then the other argument is, what makes you think because you lose your job that you can blame somebody for something that has nothing to do with them. It's just pure ignorance. And so it's just a lot of blaming and targeting and and so flash forward to here we are today and given the circumstances that we're in with the pandemic and people losing jobs and people uncertain with, you know, just a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety. People are looking for a scapegoat. People are looking for a place to put their blame because they cannot have the mental capacity because that takes work, that takes effort. to be responsible for themselves so they put blame on somebody else. Because this country is built on that. Because this country has said it's okay for you to do that. And when the former president says it's okay to do something, you think that you have the entitlement to do it. That's just evil. I don't know what else to call it. It's just wrong. It's evil. It's, it's disturbing. And it disgusts me so much. And I just, that book left a lasting impression in me. Because I didn't believe that people could do that. I didn't believe humans would do that. Of course, I was young. And now, with my different experiences, I know they can do that. I know they're capable of doing terrible things. And it's things that we don't want our kids to know. It's things that we don't want our family members to ever experience. But the truth is, is that we have to expose, we have to expose the people that we love to the truth. If we don't do that, they're protected and they're, 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 they won't know it's going to be shocking. It's going to be even more terrifying, which is, which is what's happening. Because we're not able to have these conversations out in the open because, because people don't know how to communicate their emotions, their feelings, their lack of understanding of another human being. 
so at some point, I moved out of this country because I was just done. I was just done with uh, all the stuff that I grew up hearing about, seeing, and experiencing myself. Uh, I just got so tired of um, the bullying, the race conversation, back and forth, back and forth. It felt like it never would end. And I went abroad to Hong Kong and was able to travel to uh, France, Spain, um, uh, Italy, and the Philippines. And then I ended up going to China as well. And what I found out was is that there's still racism everywhere. You couldn't escape it. It was packaged differently. Uh, in China, people would talk about, uh, I mean, in, um, in Hong Kong, people would not accept the mainlanders that were coming in. In China, people talked down to the people that were, well, for me, I was working on a film set. So the people that were in positions that weren't hard labor, that you weren't working with your hands, there was a discrepancy between them and the people that did. It was horrible. Uh, some people didn't even have uh, nice places to live um, versus being being taken care of at a hotel. In Europe, it was the people that spoke uh, better language, uh, more eloquent with their language. But for some reason, I really liked Europe. For some reason, I really enjoyed, maybe because it was, it was so international, it was so diverse. Eventually, I came back and, uh, you know, it didn't take long. As soon as we landed at uh, Chicago International uh, O'Hara Airport, I can remember the security guard yelling at people to take off their jackets, you know, because of security. And I remember this, this security guard yelling at this lady, clearly from a different, uh, it was just traveling from a different country, and he's yelling at her, telling her what to do, as if, She's expected to know what to do. It's her first time, I mean, I, I can't assume it, but it, it looked like it was her first time coming to this country, coming to this airport, having to deal with security. And here you are yelling at her. The older I get, the more I realize how immature people are. If people never learn these social skills, these communication skills, these the kind of skills that that coaches and healing uh, these healing circles, these healing spaces people use. It's horrible. Because people, you know, the bottom line is that we're going to have our differences. We're going to have our uh, different viewpoints in the world, different experiences, but if you can't in that moment recognize that that person is different and doesn't know what you know, didn't grow up the way you grew up, how can we expect people to be like that? And how can we hold them accountable for their actions? I remember growing up uh, and hearing people tell me, even people I was close to say, well, you're in America. 
You should speak English. I think we need to be careful about what we're saying, what the underlining subtext is saying. You need to be like me. But then I'd like to go further in unpacking that. Where is that coming from? You need to be like me because I'm afraid, because I'm unsure of what it's like for something that is not like me. And that's the thing about America that I don't think people quite understand. Yes, it's the land of opportunity. Yes, it's diverse. But there are still rules we have to obey. And so I'm just saying this because I don't think we should paint a picture that it's pretty, that it's so free. Because it's not. And I'm not saying because it's your own opinion, you're right to your own opinion. I'm not saying that this country uh, is, is, is the best or it's the worst or it's anything. It's what you think it is. But it's the country that my family was able to come to. And, I, and I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that. But just like a lot of people are saying right now, just because we are here, it doesn't mean you, need, you, you have the entitlement, you have the right to treat us like inhuman. That's all I ever wanted, was just to be in a space, a place where I felt wanted, where I felt like I could just be myself. And now I know, as an adult, uh, through the different uh, spaces that I've found myself to heal, that it requires you to know who you are, to take some time to recognize who you are, who you want to be. And then if someone wants to deviate you from that, you need to let them know and stand tall and firm and confident. No, you can't take that away from me. Oh my gosh. Oh, I haven't been recording audio. Oh no. <laughs> okay, that part I forgot to record audio. Ah, uh, man. I uh, apologize for the <laughs> today's technicalities. Uh, just going on the going, just going with it. And the last thing I'd like to talk about is regards to the Atlanta shooting. This crime disturbs me so much because of how things are unfolding or how things have been unfolding. The fact that the sheriff or the police involved in the county were quick to judge, quick to assume and say the words that the perpetrator was uh, that, it, that it wasn't regarding to race or color, that it was, he was addicted to sex and he wanted to eliminate that. Well, first of all, they were so quick to assume that just because it was a spa with Asian people running the business, that that equated to prostitution, uh, uh, sex trafficking. It just irritates me because of what I know of what Asian women have to go through. 
and have been going through. The fact that they said what they said, they assumed so many things that it just continues to perpetuate, perpetuate stereotypes and uh, ways of labeling people. It, it, it dehumanizes their humanity. And this is the other thing. I've already said whether it was a place of other services happening besides a typical spa, a usual spa and salon, by them saying what they said, it's taking away from who these victims were and in their families who they, who they are. You're humanizing the perpetrator, perpetrator. If you bypass that this was an act of um, a bad day, he was having a bad day because he was on his last rope. If you're saying that, then you're, you're, you're bypassing something greater and, and you're, that just continues to perpetuate that Asian women are disposable, that they're expendable, that their lives are replaceable. Because he had a bad day, you, you give him the excuse for him to, to, to murder these, these, these lives. I'm just, I'm just so sick. I'm just so sick of that. And it just feeds to the oppression by, by, by failing to acknowledge, it just feeds this, this system of oppression. It just feeds to uh, the misogyny against, against women. And it's just, it's just ugly. When I was doing my research, I started to reflect and think back to a time in my life. Uh, it was probably my mid to later 20s. I was working in the film industry in Hong Kong and uh, we were shooting a film in China. I saw many cases where primarily white men were saying and doing and treating Asian women a certain way that I was uncomfortable with. And inside, I saw myself doing something about it. I saw myself going up to them and saying, hey, why are you, first of all, why are you saying these things? Second of all, you should be treating women, all women, I'm not just saying Asian women, uh, but in particularly, they were Asian women, better, with more respect. And I just kept on getting the sense of like they felt they had the entitlement to treat them this way. Treating them like objects. Treating them like I said before, at their disposal. And if, and if the, the girl or the woman didn't obey or if the girl or woman didn't uh, agree with him, 
or them, they would be treated in a in a another way that other people had uh, being on set, possibly being in the film, having a line of dialogue. I don't know. They had they had their reasons for being there, but I just hated watching, listening, and it just you know what it just fed into that that visualization or that film strip in my mind of movies that I grew up watching where white men were saying things or physically doing things to Asian women and the Asian women didn't like it, didn't want it. But like what's depicted in the movies or in the movie that I watched and now it was right in front of me the women weren't saying no the women weren't saying stop and now I understand as an adult and not just as an adult but an adult who is who is more confident who is more sure of what's worth risking for my convictions my integrity and helping stand up for somebody else. And though back then I didn't say anything, I now realize that those women probably didn't say anything because they were fearful of what's possible, of what's to come, or that their lives may be in danger. May or may not be, but the possibility was there. And that alone, I can see why it would be difficult to say something. And I'm sorry because back then I didn't do anything. And what happened and what the police are saying it's just really triggering me because the older I get, the more I see the vulnerability, the beauty, the strength, the fragileness, the love, the care that the Asian women in my life have provided to me and also to, to everybody. And in this case in particularly, six were shot and killed and murdered and their lives taken because one person thought they had the right to do it and I'm just sick and tired of this government, this systematic racism to allow this to happen to cover it up, to try to put the focus in a different area. Oh, he had a mental condition or what have you. No, we need to stop doing that. And so now I'm trying to do my best to be a better person, a better human being for my Asian women, for all women, but 
as we've been discussing today, it needs to stop and their voices need to be heard and they cannot be invisible because being who they are, a woman, an Asian woman, already makes them so vulnerable in a way that is just unfair. And we need to give them strength. We need to lift them up. And we need to make them feel protected. And to the victims and the families, my heart goes out to you. And my wishes of great strength as you continue on with your lives. So I hope today's episode, if anything, will make you stop before you say something. Stop before you act out something. And realize, know that Yes, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of trauma, there's a lot of danger, but at the same time, if we stick together, if we stop before we say things, if we stop before we hurt somebody, we can be stronger together and destroy this system once and for all because I don't think we have another choice anymore. The hate needs to stop. This has been a very difficult one to express on my own, but I felt it necessary. I recently saw a quote I believe it was from Malcolm X. And he was talking about how this country has left the wound. And if you stab somebody nine inches deep and you pull the knife out three inches, though it doesn't hurt as bad, the wound is still there. I probably am not saying it correctly, but I believe it's something along the lines of, you know, the more you take it out, it doesn't mean that, I mean, we may be in the process of healing, but it doesn't mean that the wound isn't still there. That doesn't mean that it still doesn't hurt. And I just thought that was a incredible metaphor for what's happening or what's happened. But I think it's time for us to relieve of this hatred, this pain, this ugliness, this years of trauma for all people that have to deal with it for a better life, for a better humanity, for a better world. I want to know that I have the choice, I have the option to live a life 
as I please and not one based on what someone else wants for me, expects of me, believes they they are entitled to tell me. But if I'm wrong, I still think it's worth fighting for. Thank you, everyone. Deep breath. This goes out to all of the listeners that feel hopeless, that feel fearful. Together, we can be strong. Together, we can overcome. Together, we will. On that note, I love everybody who has the empathy to love humanity. Until next time, take care, everyone. Remember, you are loved. You are worthy. You are enough. Blessings to all of you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. And remember, you are loved. You are enough. And you are worthy. Blessings to all of you.